Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We'll read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to the end of the chapter, page 1314. First Corinthians 6, verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. May the Lord add his blessing to the scripture reading. At this time, let's also make a, a reading from our confessions. The Heidelberg Catechism has a summary of the seventh commandment, Lord's Day 41 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And that's page 556 in the Book of Praise. It's referring to the seventh commandment, which you might remember from this morning. You shall not commit adultery. And this now is asking, what does the seventh commandment teach us? That all unchastity is cursed by God. We must therefore detest it from the heart and live chaste and disciplined lives, both within and outside of holy marriage. Does God in this commandment forbid nothing more than adultery and similar shameful sins? Since we, body and soul, are temples of the Holy Spirit, it is God's will that we keep ourselves pure and holy. Therefore, He forbids all unchaste acts, words, uh, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever else may entice us to unchastity. After the sermon, we're going to sing hymn 64. That's uh, Lord's Day 1, what's your only comfort in life and death put to music. So hymn 64 after the sermon.
Congregation, loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery, is another one of those commandments where God says, you belong to me. It's a gospel commandment. If you're not saved, if you're not part of God's kingdom, if you did not belong to Christ, who cares what you do with your body? It's totally up to you. It's your choice. But because you have been redeemed and it's hinging on the gospel message, you, you must understand that God is only asking you to do this command and to keep it and to walk in His ways trusting in Him because of your special privilege status. You, you belong to Jesus Christ. And you don't just belong theoretically, like in your mind, in your soul, that, that you belong in your knowledge. No, you belong body and soul. And this one commandment, is making it very clear. I have bought you, and your body belongs to me too, not just your soul. It's not just about salvation one time when Christ returns on the clouds of heaven. You stand before Him on His judgment throne. You stand before that throne. No, it's not just then. It's right now. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's especially clear when you get the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. These are commandment words coming from your Redeemer, from the one who has saved you, set you apart. And the message I'm bringing is, your Redeemer says you shall not commit adultery. And first off, I'm going to highlight, you've been redeemed from the curse. Secondly, redeemed for a blessing. Redeemed from a curse, redeemed for a blessing. And this commandment, especially for the children you would understand, is about marriage, right? Genesis 2, verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. A mom and dad are meant to be one. And there should be no one else as close to mom and dad as mom and dad are. If there's anything intimate besides between husband and wife, that has a word for it, committing adultery. Even if it's in your imagination, something else coming between mom and dad, that is adultery. The words of Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. A husband and wife are meant for each other. Lord's Day 41 summarized the seventh commandment like this. All unchastity, and maybe you don't use these words every day, unchastity, chaste. These words have to do with pure or impure. So all unchastity is all impurity, all that mixture besides man and woman in marriage is cursed by God. We must therefore detest it from the heart, and it ends like this in 109. Therefore God forbids all unchaste acts, gestures, words, thoughts, and desires, and whatever may entice us to unchastity. So really, you want to hear the curse, God hates impurity. And we get really strong words here. I think it's surprising that even back some 500 years ago, the Heidelberg Catechism kind of levels a heavy word that it doesn't do for a few of the other commandments. All unchastity is cursed by God. Do you hear that about murder? About lying? About stealing. 
I find it surprising because 500 years ago, it's not like they know or knew what we would be like in our generation of how much curse we see and we live with. All adultery is cursed by God. And if you do the research, if they knew the kinds of things that are going on today, you would see it by the numbers, the amount of brokenness, divorce, broken families, the the kinds of things that are going on with poverty and sexually transmitted diseases in this century. You understand, it's cursed by God. That means God promises that if you disobey me, I'm going to make it go badly for you. That's the opposite of blessing. I'm going to make things go well, uh, go, go badly for you and from bad to worse. And this is true also within the church. God has left many of us suffering. There are the effects of the curse. And not only on those who themselves have done this, uh, breaking the commandment, but many who are close to them. And, and you feel the results. And why? Okay, how about this? How many don't regret saving themselves for marriage? Even while you're engaged, right? You're playing with the boundaries, pushing the limits, defining what's meant by sex or sexual immorality. So you just think about within the church how many marriages are weakened right from the start. A marriage built on a poor start. Well, how do we know that we won't do it again? How do we know he or she? If you've broken down the barriers before marriage, how about during marriage? The words I do at, at the wedding day probably do not rebuild trust just like that either. So brothers and sisters, the seventh commandment gets our attention because God very deliberately brings things back upon us. If we invest in sin, sins like masturbation, pornography, there are these stories, scenes that are just filled with this, fantasies, and God will return that upon us. Give us over to these idols and find out how miserable these idols are. They promise some sort of ultimate climax, and they fail to deliver. And that's the grip of slavery. Our first point, our Redeemer Jesus Christ is saying, you don't want to go back to this slavery. I bought you from that. You shall not commit adultery. It is horrible. Like, it brings you to horrors of hell. The point in 1 Corinthians 6 is that you are redeemed. The gospel right there. And your redeemed body and soul. 1 Corinthians 6 is, is going to highlight something that you don't notice too often in the Bible, unless you're looking for it, that you've been redeemed in your body. Glorify God in your body. Because the, the Corinthian church was, was assuming, obviously, like many of us, that God just came to save our souls and give us eternal life. They had no doubt that they were redeemed. But what about your body? Well, do whatever you want with them. 
And they had this cute little analogy. You heard this, food is meant for the stomach, the stomach for food. It's their way of saying, God made these desires. Come on. He's made appetites. What are they there for? To be filled, right? How often hasn't this gone through your mind? I, I would rather, I'd rather not single out the youth among us, but I wonder how many of us have asked, even when we were young, God, why have you not made me a eunuch? It would have been a lot easier if you had made me a eunuch. Why have you made me with a sex drive and these passions? 1 Corinthians 6 is starting off with food for the stomach. God made me this way. Isn't that the argument? And the Apostle Paul's answer in verse 13, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is meant for the body. And you can hear, in reference to food, the stomach wasn't made for just any kind of food. You know it. There are poisons out there. In the same way, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Watch that appetite of yours. You know where it can go. And the Lord is meant for the body. How often do you hear that? Do you know that your body is a member of Christ? Verse 17, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So the Apostle Paul is saying your body and soul are one. That's, that's at least on the basic level. You should understand this, that you're not a divided human being. Like, you know how friends with benefits or something is a motto that people use to say, well, you can do certain things with your body, but your soul and your mind and your personality can be left out of it. No, that's complete nonsense. Your soul and body are one. That's, that's at least basic to your understanding. God made you as a unity. And then he goes further. Do you know that your soul is united not only to your body, but your soul is united to Christ's soul? You have one identity. Jesus Christ has joined himself to his church. And not only is your soul united to Christ's soul, this chapter is basically saying your body is united to Christ's body. Think of the church. The church is the extension of Christ who is in heaven. And so the implications, even if you were not to just refer to the seventh commandment, you can just think about how many implications. Uh, I often randomly go through a few things. If my body belongs to Christ, if my body is His body, if that's what being redeemed means, then... uh, What about piercing? Maybe I should pray before I do something like that. How about tattoos? Should I pray before that? It's his body. What about the way I dress, the clothing that I buy? It's his body. And uh, go through this. What about the way that I'm eating, the the food habits that I have? What about drugs? The next piece of next medication that I go for? It's Christ's body, and you hear this. This has got to be embedded. For someone who is a child of God, you're like, that's right. It's not just my body. The gospel is, I belong to Jesus Christ, body and soul. And so you think about high-risk sport activities. It's my body. You think a helmet's going to save me from the things I'm doing with my body? And it's Christ's body? And 
specifically, when it comes down to the seventh commandment, you, you, you understand by this time what gets you aroused. If it's Christ's body, should that be getting you aroused? Because our Lord Jesus Christ redeems us and you're united with Him. This is profound stuff. And I, I pre really appreciate it. The Apostle Paul has written this in such a way that you can still read it around the family table. Very powerful and blunt language. And you know, your only hope, this is what faith is, is that Christ, because He's united to you, because you're united to Christ, this is the only way your sins are removed from you. Every adulterous thought, every lust, forgiven because of your unity to Christ. Your only hope of forgiveness for everything you've done wrong in the body. Let me be specific, because sometimes words that get lost on us. Fornication. That's sex outside of marriage. Specifically, that word would be highlighting sex outside of marriage before marriage. Fornication, there's a word for that in the Bible. Pornography. Masturbation. Perversions. Prostitution. Adultery, these are words we find in the scriptures. And think about our only hope of chastity, our only hope of being pure, an absolute purity, being acceptable before God, is that your Redeemer says, you belong to me, and I've wiped that all off the slate. You are forgiven. My blood has covered you, washed you clean. That unity. Christ has redeemed us from the curse because we're united with Him. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you ask that He forgives you. You know what that means? He's forgiven you. That's why I came to the cross, to die for your sins so that you wouldn't have this guilt on you for the rest of your life. So he has taken your curse upon himself. What good news you need to hear. But he's also reserved you a blessing because you belong in him. He's redeemed you for a blessing. The Apostle Paul, he has far more in his argument I really have to just focus on a few things, but in verse 19, it speaks of a blessing. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And so, Lord's Day 41, if it's going to give a summary of the seventh commandment, it's going to say this. Since we, body and soul, are temples of the Holy Spirit, it's God's will that we should keep ourselves pure and holy. Temples of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, when is the last time you visited a temple, you know what a temple is really like. This analogy probably gets lost on us these days. A temple is a building. A building that's open 24-7 for only one purpose. That God would be close to His people. That God would be close to sinners. 
And he would make a way for them to be holy and to be acceptable. That's what the temple was. And to be called the temple of the Holy Spirit. What are we here? Temple of the Holy Spirit. You belong to the Holy Spirit. This is, this is why you are a temple. And you think of the building with the pillars and the columns and the courtyards. And you come in and you are the place. You are that courtyard. You are those pillars. And the Holy Spirit comes. And now let me ask you this. Because do you understand the gospel? What kind of identity do you have in Christ? You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Is he a guest? Or do you understand the gospel? Is he the owner? Is he coming by as a guest occasionally? Once in a while, you know, you show up to church or you do some religious things. Maybe you read your Bible or pray. In those moments, is he, you know, showing up? No. A temple is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's your home. You are his home. Put it that way. And, and you are not your own. He's home in you. You are not your own. Your appetites, your desires, your libido is not your own. You belong to Jesus Christ. Think about that powerful point Paul is making. If you belong to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has set up home in you. If you are one in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. And I like the language of Lord's Day 18. It describes the Holy Spirit in Lord's Day 18 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Christ goes up to heaven and he sends the Spirit, the Holy Spirit as a counter pledge. Maybe you don't understand what that means, but he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in you by whose power we seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What's the... Christ at the right hand of God, what's the most powerful impact he can make on his church? He sends his spirit to be at home in you. The most powerful force of change is God the Holy Spirit as a person in you with his voice, his will active in you. What's the blessing again? You've been redeemed. You're under new ownership. You belong to Jesus Christ, and since you've been redeemed and you're in, you're His, you think your, your home should be a nasty home of thoughts that are impure and perverted and twisted and any desire just happens to come its way, you just follow it? Is that the kind of home for the Holy Spirit. No. Holy Spirit, the name holy, tells you what he's after. Let's make this place holy. You are a saint. You belong to Jesus Christ. Let's do some sweeping up here. I'd like you to detest all unchastity from the heart. Detest. Like, I'd like you to hate everything impure, everything lewd, everything perverted and twisted, everything that shows up on TikTok, pretty much. If you detest all unchastity from the heart, you know this is, this is what the Holy Spirit does in your heart. 
You want to know the blessing? Christ has not left you alone. I wish I had more time and space to speak of the congregation involvement in you are not left alone. But if I could just highlight this, the Holy Spirit in your soul, in your heart, in your very inner being, and this is a blessing because of the Holy Spirit, you must glorify God in your body. Remember this body of yours? Belongs to God. Belongs to Jesus Christ. In living chaste, meaning holy, and disciplined lives, that's not bad. This is your goal. That you belong to Jesus Christ. Changes how you use your body. And I I want to single out the youth maybe for a moment here. Especially as I get older, I realize how, how wonderful it was to be young one time, a long time ago in my memory. But you have a redeemed body belonging to Jesus Christ. Young men, young women, your body belongs to God. And if you desire a husband or a wife, you're not yet ugly like me. You're not yet wrinkly and slow and weak and tired like old people. The worst you have are a few pimples. And your body, with the beauty that God has given you or the handsomeness that God has given you, if you are not your own, you belong to Jesus Christ, you're thinking, how do I use my beauty for God's kingdom? For His glory? How do I use my handsomeness? How do I use my energy? How do I use my wisdom? If I could just say one thing. Use what God has given you to find a godly partner. You want someone who loves the Lord. Your beauty is meant for the Lord. Your handsomeness. Your Everything, your body belongs to the Lord. Use it for Him. Glorify the Lord in your body. That's how it says in the Scriptures. So congregation, I hope you hear this. There is so much that you hear Jesus Christ say, because you belong to me, it changes everything. I bought you. If you're not married... I'm asking you to be abstinent. Keep the marriage bed pure as long as you're not married. And when you're married, if and when, you still need that discipline and the self-control. Jesus Christ is saying, I'm not asking much of you. I've given you everything. And if you find yourself confused about your sexuality, your identity, your orientation, your feelings, isn't this why God promises His Holy Spirit? Being confused between old nature and new nature, this is where we're at in a broken world, brothers and sisters. And so He has given His Holy Spirit and a communion of saints that we'll probably have to bring up some other time. We glorify God in your bodies. That's the the sound, and it's a joyful sound in 1 Corinthians 6. When you resist Satan, you push back against what's wrong and twisted and perverted, you are glorifying God in your body. 
you're building up treasures for yourself in heaven. And it's not money. This is true and lasting. Being with the Lord in glory, and you're thinking about the Lord in glory, that there are pleasures He has in heaven itself that surpasses what we know in this life. To come to a conclusion, brothers and sisters, this is a hard commandment. It addresses most of us in our secret thoughts, our private lives. And there, deep in the darkness of what we could hide from other people, you hear your Redeemer reach way in. He says, you shall not commit adultery. You belong to me. Right there in the, in the intense battle of darkness against sin, Jesus Christ cries out, you belong to me. I bought you, and I'm lifting you up from that curse. I've taken it upon myself. I'm lifting you out of the curse and granting you my blessing. Congregation, let's glorify God in our body. Let's glorify Him with all that He's given us. Our body, our heart, soul, mind, but also our body. Amen.